Good evening. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, it's good to see such a great turnout um, for Miss Roby. I'm sure we have some ultimate fans here in the audience. All right. <laughs> and now to Miss Roby. Arthur Eric Jerome Dickey once said that Kimberla Roby is a true writer, a storyteller at the top of her game, and she is indeed at the top of her game. After publishing her 1997 debut novel, Behind Closed Doors, Ms. Roby has since written 14 more novels, becoming a New York Times bestselling author. She has also appeared on numerous other bestselling lists, such as Essence Magazine, U.S. Today, The Washington Post, and Publishers Weekly. She has been nominated for several awards and has been the running Author of the Year female category winner as given by the African American Literary Awards Show in New York from 2006 to 2010. Furthermore, her 2008 novella, One in a Million, about a woman who wins the lottery but loses her husband, has been optioned by Lifetime to be made into a movie. And um, she was just speaking in the back. She has a whole lot of more projects coming up that I'm sure you all will be interested in. Never want to shy away from the issues that affect human lives. Ms. Roby brings to us tonight her eighth book in the Reverend Curtis Black series, Love, Honor, and Betray. And boy, does he have a lot of issues. <laughs> this time, the Reverend and his wife, Charlotte, take in his two-year-old illegitimate daughter, Curtina, and that's just the tip of all the drama that's about to go down. So without further ado, Ms. Kimler Lawson Roby. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being here this evening. It's wonderful to be back in Baltimore. I was actually here maybe about a year or so ago, and it was kind of an in-and-out sort of thing, so I didn't get to see very many um, of my readers. So thank you for taking time to come out. I know the weather hasn't been this great um, in this area, especially over the last 24 hours. And last night in D.C., they were saying I brought it from Illinois. So you know, I'm sorry if that's true, because we certainly have been being dumped on ever since the very beginning of um, December. So, but lo and behold, as I said, you know, right when I walked up when she was preparing uh, the introduction, and I said, you know, I always tell all of my readers when I go to my events, you know, everybody's all excited and they come, and I see all the wonderful comments on Facebook, and so. I always say, well, you know what that just means? Nobody really cares about Kimberly Lawson Roby. It is the Reverend Curtis Black that everybody shows up for, you know. That's who they're interested in hearing about, and, you know, that's the story. Those are the stories that they want, you know, me to continue writing. And, you know, I always um, like to just share that I never, ever once planned on this being a series. And so when I wrote the first book, Behind Closed Doors, and then Here and Now was the second title, I had to write a synopsis for my third title. And so I started saying to my husband, well, I've you know, pretty much settled on you know, writing about real life issues in a fictional format. And so I want to continue that. But in this third book, I really want it to be something that people will recognize, that they will know this storyline, they will know this topic. Um, even if they have not experienced it, they may know a family member or a friend who have. And so it was him who said, you know, well, what about all of the issues going on in some of our churches? And what he meant was locally in our Rockford, Illinois area where we live. And so I thought about 
that and thought, you know, that is, you know, a pretty good idea. And, you know, it's controversial. It's kind of taboo. We know that problems and scandals arise in the church, but it's sort of hush-hush. It's not the thing that everybody just goes around talking about openly and publicly. Um, And so from that idea, you know, this whole Curtis Black person, you know, was born and, you know, just kind of came about mentally. And he is a mixture of many, many ministers and pastors that I have known throughout the years. I've been in church my entire life. I was born into the church. And so, you know, I've certainly seen a lot, some good and some things not so good. And, you know, in our own church between the years of 1987 and 1997, we ousted three senior pastors, you know, in a 10 period 10-year period of time, that's a very short period of time for, you know, three pastors to come in and out, in and out, and it was for a number of different reasons. And so then when I wrote Casting the First Stone, started traveling around the country for the tour, and I really hadn't paid that much attention to it when I wrote the book, but once I was out on the road and going to events and ready to meet readers that I had not met before, the fear sort of set in because I wondered, wow, you know, what if people don't like this? What if they're going to say, why are you airing the dirty laundry of the church, and, you know, why don't you leave that in sort of a hush-hush situation? Um, But, you know, I was too late for that because the book was out, and you know, thousands of copies were across the country, and actually, Baltimore This was one of the times that I came here was in 2000 when that book was actually released. Um, But what I found on the road were were pastors' wives coming up to me, actually showing up at the events and saying, thank you for writing my story, you know, for writing some of the things that I can't say. And we know that our members of our congregation see us on Sunday morning, and maybe it's even on Wednesday night at Bible study, but they really have no clue what we're dealing with the other days in the week. And so that was kind of interesting to hear, and it was kind of an eye-opener for me. And then I I think what I was most fascinated about, and I continue to share this part of it every single year and everywhere I go, is that people would come to me at the events and tell me the real names of their pastors who were just like the Reverend Curtis Black. And so that's when I really knew, my gosh, he is alive and well everywhere in every single city in the country. And it's not just in Rockford, Illinois, where I live. Um, so, you know, I've continued it. But even with that, I still had no no idea at all that I would ever um, continue this and turn this into a series that just was not what my plan was and so it really was the reader response I was getting all of the email messages and people were coming up to me at events when I had written other books because when I finished casting the first one I went on to a book called it's a thin line so that had nothing to do with you know the Reverend Curtis Black or a pastor and his wife or anything relating to that and so I would have readers say you know I really enjoyed that book but what is the Reverend Curtis Black up to? And so, you know, it was this pause. And I'd be thinking, well, he's not really up to anything. You know, it's kind of over and it's done with. And you hope that readers will read a story and, you know, you sort of use your imagination. And then I started thinking, well, maybe I just don't know how to end a book properly. You know, if you're asking for more and you feel like, you know, was it not finished? And so they're saying, no, it's not. We just know there's got to be more to the story. And so I still kind of ignored it. And I went on and I wrote the next book. My fifth title was A Taste of Reality. And so then at that point, my agent was getting comments, and she was hearing different things in New York, and then my publisher was receiving comments. And so my agent finally said, well, you have, you know, this loyal readership, and you have an obligation to them. If they're asking for a certain storyline and they can relate to certain things, you really should give them that. And so that's when I finally said, okay, you know, I will go ahead and write another one. And that ended up being too much of a good thing. And that was four years after casting the first stone. And then I thought, well, to end this once and for all, 
I'm not going to wait for people to ask me to write another story about it. So before that book was actually in print, I had already started on the third one, which ended up being, ended up being the best kept secret because I thought I'll call this a, t- a trilogy. That'll be the end of it. Everybody will be happy and satisfied and we'll move on. And, you know, to my surprise, to my unfortunate surprise, when that book came out, I received way more mail than I had for casting the first stone. And so then I did start thinking, well, how am I ever going to, you know, end this? And so then readers started saying, well, if you want to end it, you have to kill him. Because other than that, you know, (laughs) we're going to be looking for him. You know, we expect you to write about him. So I continued on, and I wrote um, a book called Changing Faces, and then I went back to Curtis, and I wrote Love and Lies, and then I wrote Sin No More, and I really was sure, and I really had said to my husband, I was positive this was going to be it. I really had so many other stories I wanted to write, and so I turned Curtis's life completely around, and if you read Sin No More, you know that he really changed for the better, and he has remained that way. He became this faithful husband and just this wonderful man of God that any woman would be glad to have in their life, and he has always loved his children but it became even more noticeable that he was a great father as well and so I thought that was the end of it and once again it's always blame all of you and the rest of my readers across the country because I still was getting the you know receiving those messages and I thought gosh how am I going to end it and maybe I should kill him off just like someone has suggested Um, and so I just kind of continued on with the idea well if I'm going to continue with this black black family story that what I'm going to do is maybe go start looking at some of the other family members and so that's why I wrote the best of everything which is about Alicia his eldest daughter nobody liked her in that book and you know rightfully so because she was every bit of what her father used to be she's a selfish selfish child who has been raised and given everything and so she wants what she wants when she wants it and is willing to do whatever she has to to get it and basically ruins a marriage with a, a truly wonderful wonderful man in her life then I thought well I'm going to stick with her because she's not learned her lesson the same as her father didn't didn't for such a long period of time and so then I wrote be careful what you pray for which was released last year except this time Alicia does find who she thinks is the great man and the wonderful person in her life because he has the money and he's a pastor of a mega church Um, but what she ends up finding out is that the Reverend J.T. Valentine was worse than her father ever was and you know boy did she learn some valuable lessons and started to realize what a mistake she had made in ruining her marriage to her first husband Philip. And so now here in Love, Honor, and Betray, um, you know, while you've heard me say up until this point, just didn't want to continue writing about him and wanted it to come to an end, I found myself really, really wanting to write about Curtis and Charlotte, and it will probably show. If you've not read it, if you read it, you'll be able to tell that I really enjoyed writing um, this particular story, and it is about um, the fact that Charlotte and Curtis have to take in the child that he had outside of wedlock because her mother has just passed away. Um, she's a two-year-old, beautiful little girl, sweetheart, and actually loves Charlotte, but Charlotte cannot stand the sight of her and wants her out. She basically gives Curtis an ultimatum, tells him it's either you, it's either her or me, and she even threatens him with divorce. And so their marriage really, really starts to crumble. Um, it, you know, major, major things happen. Some terrible, terrible things 
um, happen in the book and, and by the hand of, of Charlotte. Charlotte is really the one that you will probably find yourself loving to hate in this particular story. And I've finally heard readers say they really love Curtis and that's who they're rooting for. And that's hard to believe, you know, after all that he's done. But that's what I keep hearing more and more and more. Um, what I want to do before I uh, allow you an opportunity to ask any questions that you might have or make any comments is just tell you just a little bit about my career and how I started it. Because with every event, and you have people who come because they just love to read, but there are also people who are interested in writing or may have written a book, and they're just trying to figure out how to get it out there. For me, I think it's always important to share that writing was not a lifelong dream of mine because many times people think, wow, this is something that people should have loved doing and they should have wanted to do it for a long time if they're going to probably try to have some success with it. And for me, that wasn't the case. It was not until 1995 when I was 30 years old that I finally sat down and started writing. I made the decision to do so. And I was still working full time as a financial analyst um, for city government and just said, well, you know, this just really isn't what I want to continue. You do. I loved my job at that point, but I had had so many other jobs in corporate America prior to that that I did not feel happy with, and I just never seemed satisfied, and I always seemed to be finding myself on that next resume resume submitting campaign, looking for the next job, wanting to try and climb that career ladder, and it just wasn't happening. And so finally I started thinking back to elementary school teachers and junior high school teachers, high school, and even my professors in college who had said to me on many occasions that you really need to consider a career in writing. And so finally I thought, well, maybe I will give it a try. And, and that's when I sat down and started writing behind closed doors. Um, that book, writing it every evening, every weekend, every ho holiday over that period of time, it took me about seven months to complete it. And once I had done that, I started out trying to find a literary agent to represent me because because after reading books on how to get published, what I found out was that the publishers really don't want to receive what they call unsolicited manuscripts. What they want is for you to have someone representing you. So I sent out query letters and in some cases a couple of chapters and maybe with a couple of them I sent out the entire manuscript and basically sat back and waited. And you know, I had that rude awakening because I tell people all the time, I don't have children. But it must be like when mothers have babies and they think their baby is the most beautiful baby in the world, even if nobody else feels that way, because I thought I had something that people would really be interested in. Um, but what happened was that one rejection letter after another rejection letter after another one came pouring back in. And so I thought, wow, this isn't going to be that easy and was really ready to give up. you know. But then I thought, well, I'll give it a little bit more of a try. And I know that the editors at the publishing houses are saying that they want me to have an agent, but I can't find one. So. I am going to go ahead and send these letters to them directly. And so I compiled another listing of editors at the eight top, the top eight major publishing houses in New York, sent out my letters, and in some cases a couple of chapters, and once again received back one rejection letter after another. And some of them were very nice. If there is a nice thing, you know, such thing as a nice rejection letter, but the answer was still no and that basically they, you know, saw some talent, but they just couldn't get the entire house behind a first-time writer, especially such as myself, because I had not written anything else, no newspaper articles, no short stories. I had no writing credits to my name. And so at that point, I did decide, you know, enough is enough. I wanted to do this. My heart was really in it. I felt like this was really what I was supposed to be doing, but it's not working, so maybe it's just time to move on. And so my mom was hearing me say that, and she said, you know, I, I hear that, and I understand it. I don't know anything about publishing, but the fact that so many people here locally are reading copies of your manuscript and they're saying they can't put it down, I think that means something, and you just shouldn't give up. And so my husband was the one who said, well, your background is in business. 
because I had worked so much in marketing and finance and so many other areas. And he said, why don't you take that experience and start your own company and publish the book yourself? And that's how the whole idea of self-publishing came about. Knew nothing about it, but I researched, read every book that I could on the subject and moved forward with it. Um, Long story short, I went uh, into 96, started the business, um, went through the whole process, you know, hiring a cover designer, getting the book typeset, getting it edited, um, finding a, a printer who would print the book, um, quality printer, but also trying to find somebody who was economical and someone who would fit into my budget. And so at the toward the very end of 96, that first 3,000 copies um, came back, and I went forward with it. The book started to move very quickly because I had created a marketing plan. And so then I thought back to, well, this was the reason I did major in business. And then I was glad that I had worked in the area of business for so many years because I think as a writer, I was starting to wonder, well, why would I do that? And I remember saying to my mom, well, if I was going to be a writer, kind of wish that I had majored in journalism or writing or English or something like that. And maybe I could have started my writing career much early on, you know, much earlier. And I could have been in my earlier 20s. And I remember her saying to me, well, maybe Maybe that would have worked, but what were you going to talk about? Because in your early 20s, what had you really <laughs> experienced? And so I think this happened when it was supposed to, and, and I realized she was right about that. Um, but the books really started to take off and went into another printing, and I took that information back to agents again, and one took me on, signed me on, and she went on to sell the second book that I had not even written, which was Here and Now, um, to a major publisher, and then ended up selling, selling behind closed doors to a company here, Black Classic press um, to a man by the name of Paul Coates. So things really started to change. And, you know, I think back now to that whole idea of wanting to give up. And I share that with all of you because it doesn't have to be writing. It's whatever it is, whatever dream you have had. And I don't care if you're 18 or you're 80, whatever your passion is, if you figured out what that is, then that means you really do know kind of what your purpose is in life. And you really should move forward with it. You just have to step out on faith and really believe in yourself. And again, not give up. I'm glad that my mom and, and my husband uh, really, really pushed me and encouraged me to continue on because I remember him saying, you know, well, if it doesn't work, because that was my question, what if we spend this money and what if it doesn't work? Have you thought about that? And I remember him saying, well, if it doesn't work, then you just move on to something else. And, you know, but do you want to go 10 years down the road wondering if this could have been, if this could have happened for you? And so now here we are 15 years later, and this is the 15th book. And so I'm just very thankful to him today that that he felt the way that he did. Um, so it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful journey, um, a blessing that I never, ever imagined, um, and, and I just couldn't be more grateful. And, and so I thank all of you. Without all of you, without readers, I just couldn't do what I do. There would be no such thing as having a writer car writing career, and so I'm just very appreciative of that. So now if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to to ask them now. The death of um, Curtis and Charlotte's daughter, mm -hmm. the next, the, the first, the book that happened in, but the next book you didn't mention her at all, and this sort of bothered me. I said, why isn't she mentioning the, the death of her? It just Marissa? bothered me. Huh? Charlotte's daughter. Yes. Marissa. Yes, mm -hmm. right. And I was wondering why you didn't mention well, that. Well, she's mentioned a little here and there because you know that Charlotte is missing her, and that's really a big part of why she has you know, a major issue with Curtis when she finds out that he's having a child with someone else. Right. So she's mentioned in that respect, but, you know, not so much, I guess, because the mourning process is pretty much over, oh. um, you know, for them at that point. And then you do hear about her here and there, even now, even, you know, this new book, she thinks back to her. But I just oh. think that's pretty much 
um, where it ends. That's the first time someone has asked me that question, but I think mostly because we know Marissa had some mental issues. Yes, she and did. She's, yes, she did. She's I love all your the, books on the that dangerous that side. Yeah. Yes. She was a, she was a menace. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Welcome, Kimberly. My name is Thank Kim. You. I'm not a Kimberly. Okay. But I started reading your books. Um, I, I work here at the library, so I borrowed and I've purchased some of your books. Mm-hmm. And so now um, we're, we're in the 21st century, and I just recently purchased your last book on my nook. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. I was just curious about how authors are um, getting into the Kindle and the nook. And that's my first question. Mm-hmm. And my second question is, do you, how did, do you think that Curtis and Charlotte's marriage survived because they both um, kind of like introduced infidelity into their relationship? And now that Curtis is this good guy, mm-hmm. you know, based on the things that have happened in his new book, yes. he's like, enough is enough. And uh-huh. I'm like... Uh, I don't know if I like that. So uh-huh. I think I'm one of these people that will be looking for them another. to. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. That's the wrong answer. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> my question is, do you want to see more Curtis? And at some point, somebody's probably going to say, no, absolutely not. Well, so. I think it's quite interesting how um, their marriage has survived. And mm-hmm. it kind of tells you or shows you a picture that you can have your ups and downs. But, yes. you know, someone eventually is going to throw in a towel. And yes, I don't know if I want it to be uh, that way yeah. for them. So. Yes. Well, I answer your first question about the nook. Um, you know, obviously that has become, you know, this huge trend and, and it's extremely popular. Um, I noticed on my Facebook page this time more than the last couple of years, the number of people who on the day of release, they were saying, just downloaded it into my nook, just downloaded it into my nook. And I was, of course, still hearing Kindle here and there, but it was mainly nook. And a lot of people were sharing with me that that's what they received for Christmas as a Christmas gift. And so for me, I mean, I'm still kind of that old school reader I love to hold my books and turn them that's just a personal thing you know it's not anything against ebooks and new technology but you know I'm for readers reading in any format that they feel the most comfortable with and so I know a lot of people love that and they're happy with it so that's fine you know for me but I'm just still sticking with the books I'm sure at some point maybe I'll give in and I think it would be great because I do travel so much especially during the tours at the beginning of the year when the book comes out but um, yeah I'm, I'm still sticking with the printed version <laughs> hi Keb. hi um, i'm sylvia and i'm sure you remember me from what's your first name sylvia yes nice okay. to see you again um i finished of course the new book the new book uh-huh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um i still have sin no more in the back of my mind so uh-huh i'm there with curtis uh-huh and i see that you left the back door open for about five. Oh, no. Yes, about five. I, I honestly, I, I, I'm looking at um, Matthew maybe stepping into his dad's footsteps. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even um, his sister becoming, um, taking legal. Trina, yes. Yeah, taking mm-hmm. legal guardianship because Curtis has made it very clear that uh, his little sister is not going anywhere. Right, she's going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. And he's given Charlotte an ultimatum. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> she's getting carried away. <laughs> this is just my thinking. Now that doesn't mean it's in the story. This is just my thinking. You know, 
So I, like I said, you, I saw about five boulevards out there. You know, you could go here, there. Yeah. yeah so, I, and, and but that's uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and that is very true. I, I do want to do something with Curtis's sister. You know, we only have known a little bit about her. We just know that she's not that happy with Curtis because he is estranged and has been from the family for years. And um, Matthew, definitely. Matthew in this book is a junior in high school. Um, he has always been my favorite character in the book but, because but I he's trust, a... trust, you know, Matthew. I think he's a good kid. Yes. My problem is I... He doesn't have much to draw from. No, he doesn't, but he'll remain he a wonderful young man. He will not, not be the old Curtis. Yeah, he won't be the old Curtis. Yeah, he will. He'll continue to be a wonderful young man. Well, he may not choose the, the right enough. women in his life. That, now, that's the other but, thing, you know. But he'll be a wonderful young man. You know, he, <laughs> he might get get hooked up with some women who will just mess over him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, there's a good chance of that because of who his mother is. Okay, you and I will have a one-on-one conversation about that. And then I wanted to answer the, the other part of your question you're saying, and so that remains to be seen. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, the book that I'm working on now is called The Reverend's Wife, and it picks up immediately after this book. Um, comes out next January. But I can't tell you whether they stay together or not. So that's what I wanted to say to you. That's probably not what you're wanting to hear, but I can't tell you that part of it. So, <laughs> Thanks for being who you are. And um, I just want to ask about one of the char- uh, uh, characters. I think mm-hmm. his name was Levi. Yes. Yeah. Alicia's kind of, I don't know what we want to call Levi, yeah. but well, we see he was in her life. Let's put it that way. Right, yeah. right. I think in the last book I read, she, um, I mean, he wrote to her when he was in jail. Yes. Will we see him again? Yes, and you, you hear a little bit about him in this book, so you will certainly see him again in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, hi. I actually, I'm actually going to steer off the Curtis Black for a second. Not saying I don't want to see more of him. Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but, um, I w- actually, I was reading, rereading Change of Faces earlier to refresh myself. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, are you going to pick up one of those? Because the characters in that one were phenomenal, I especially like the whole thing that happened with Sharice. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, that's not my plan. I, I get a lot of folks asking me, you know, if I will continue it, if I'll write a sequel on those three women. But I, I've just not thought so much about it, not very seriously. But maybe in the future, you know, you never know, I guess. Um, for me, their stories just kind of ended, you know, where they did. But I keep saying it. Maybe I don't know how to end a book properly <laughs> you know, because I hear that for a number of my titles. So we'll see. <laughs> Hi, my name is Patsy Rogers. And Hello. I just want to take the time to thank you for such good reading. Um, your you. books are, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know how to say it. I'll put it this way. I have a coworker who hates reading. Mm-hmm. I told her, I have a book. If I could bring a book in that you could read that could hold your attention. She said, there is none. Mm-hmm. I brought her in, casting the first stone. <laughs> <laughs> she read it in five days. Wow. Every day she came in talking about that book. I'm looking around because she might come through this door. <laughs> I'm telling you that she was so excited that a book could make her feel and make her want more. And... Um, she couldn't believe that now she understands a page turner. Wow. I said, so I just want to tell you, you opened a whole new door for her. 
Well, thank you for sharing And she may that. come through this door. We right. I hope so. I appreciate that. That encourages me. It, it, it motivates me. And, you know, I'm just inspired when I hear those kinds of words because, you know, writing, while it is something I truly enjoy and I love what I do, it's still a very lonely job. That's not something anyone can help you with. You know, you're locked away with your computer and you're creating these stories. And so many, many times it crosses my mind, you know, is this worth it? You know, are readers really getting something from it? And I may have seen a hundred wonderful reader reviews, but then I might see that one where somebody says, this is horrible. It's the worst thing I've ever read. And you know, you remember that one. It doesn't matter how many. And so sometimes you just don't know. And so you're hoping, you know, hoping that readers will enjoy it, that it will be a page turner. Somebody will get something from it. And so that just really helps me when I'm out on the road and I get to hear, you know, comments such as yours. So thank you very much for that. Hi, my name is Andrea Moore, and I also want to thank you because I know last year when you came to the Borders of Timonium, uh-huh. it wasn't a great turnout, but right. you signed every one of my books, took the time to do that, so I appreciate that. And I want to say thank you for writing the way that you do because given this economic state we're in right now, a lot of African-American bookstores have closed. Yes, they People have. have, you know, have to choose, you know, food, rent, and all those things and books, and so... Mm-hmm. I just love all of your reading. So everywhere you go, I was going to be in D.C. yesterday, but I came home. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I just want to thank you for being true to your art and true to yourself. Well, thank you very much for saying that. Appreciate it. Hi, I'm Shayla. Hello. Um, I wanted to thank you also because um, when I first read Casting the First Stone, I said, oh, my gosh, this book is really crazy, but it was uh-huh. really good. <laughs> and I think probably – a couple of years after I read Casting the First Stone, um, we had, not my church, but my cousin's church, had mm-hmm. a real-life Curtis Black. Wow. And some of the stories that she was telling me, I said, that's Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know where he is now, but I don't know that he has become a reformed individual. It didn't seem that way, but uh-huh. he definitely, um, I did have a, great understanding of what he because I've said oh they really are like that mm-hmm. so you did introduce that you know as far as just you know what goes in what goes on in the church and it's not just what you see on Sundays right, and on Bible right. study days and right. you know it's you know I love the whole series I well, have thank you all the books and I just bought the, the new one well I appreciate <laughs> that I I really appreciate hearing that and yes it is we know that it's you know real life scenarios and that it goes on in churches, you know, on a weekly basis. And so my hope is that, you know, people recognize that, you know, it's not every pastor and every minister. There are some truly wonderful ministers and pastors, you know, throughout the country. But my hope is that people just won't worship another human being standing in the pulpit and that they remember, you know, if you are a Christian, you're worshiping God and that you will work on your own personal relationship with him and that you will read the word for yourself. That's what my hope is that people will just look at who their leaders are and realize that they fall short the same as we do. So I appreciate that. Uh, good evening. Um, good evening. Kimberly Lawson Ruby. Hello. Uh, my name is Joanne Higgs. Uh, I really do want to let you know how much I appreciate it reading um, basically all of your books and they have really opened my eyes up. I am um, I'm married to uh, what you call a PK uh-huh. <laughs> for basically over 25 years and uh, I wanted to ask you, is there any backlash from, like, the Christian community? Because, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff is kind of swept under the carpet, so Mm -hmm, to speak. mm -hmm. Uh, But you bring those characters very true to form. And for that, I thank you so much. There were times where I I couldn't even get out of the bed, but 
I made sure I had one of your books just <laughs> right there with me. And it, they, they truly did help me get through a whole lot of stuff and taking attention off of some things I was personally going through. Mm -hmm. And I just want to let you know how much I really appreciate you and the characters that are in the book. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, there hasn't been. I've not received any backlash at all. You know, I've, I've heard the comments here and there. And even, you know, I've had pastors say, you know, you're still writing those books, you know, the ones that I know on a personal basis. So it's kind of a joke. But, you know, for the most part, the pastors and, and their wives, there's so many of them that really support me. I do a number of events at churches throughout the country um, many, many times because they feel so strongly about it. Um, Dr. Frederick Casey Price, his wife, Dr. Betty, is, is really just my spiritual mother. And so once they read the books, both of them, they have just started inviting me out to the church to speak to their women's ministry every single year. This is just an annual event that we do because um, Dr. Price just feels like it's time that men of God are exposed if they are misleading innocent people. Um, my own church, those are the, the first people in line, you know, when I do my signings at home before I head out on the national tour so it's been wonderful but I, in a, a city in North Carolina there was a woman who said to me she sent me an email message and she said you know this is going to be a compliment so I'm just telling you up front before I start writing what I'm going to write and so she said I was in church on Sunday morning and you know there was a lot of rave you know going on about your books and the Reverend Curtis Black somebody started it with a book club and then they were sharing it with other women in the church and everybody was talking about going out to get the books and it was one of the years I had a new book coming out and so she said our pastor got up though on Sunday he had gotten wind of it and he said you know I've heard about whoever this Reverend Curtis Black is and these stories you know that this writer is writing and I don't want anybody going out buying these stories that's not something you should be reading into and so she said now here's the compliment people rush to the stores on Monday to get it you know <laughs> so. and so that was just always kind of funny to me because it's like you know he's hoping that was probably the worst thing he could have said you know to them and so but it's, it for the most part it's been wonderful but what I do think though is if a pastor falls into the category if he's like the old Curtis he's not going to say anything anyway you know because that kind of shows you probably have a personal problem with it because it's a little too close to home um, so it's, it's really been a wonderful situation because I've just received so much support do you would you want any of your books to be made into a movie and if so do you have any actors or actresses that you would want to portray any of characters? Um, yes. Oh, first of all, um, my novella, One in a Million, came out in 2008, and the film rights were optioned for that right away uh, with a production company and Lifetime Television. And so we've kind of still been waiting for that. We don't know if it's still going to be television or if now they're going to just take it to the big screen as a motion picture because now that's sort of what they're thinking. Um, the script is completely written and they were interviewing directors um, as of last year. So it's been a slow process, but it's moving along. Um, my most recent news, finally, finally, after all the interest from so many years from production companies and you know directors and it's not really worked out and so I've just never, ever signed a contract, I have finally optioned the film rights to Casting the First Stone and ultimately the series. Um, so just two months ago... So I'm really, uh, really excited about it. Um, there's a distribution company um, that's a division of Universal that's on board, and so they're actually putting together the packages now. And their 
feeling is, you know, do we go motion picture with casting the first stone and maybe just if it does well, that means if you all go out to see it, you know, then we continue on with some of the other stories. Or do we start looking at TV series? Because I've written so many titles, you know, could a season be one or two books? You know, another season, another couple of books. So we don't know. But I'm excited because I actually get to be executive producer um, for this particular project. And so it's just really, really moving forward. And I'm just praying for all the best. As far as actors who I've always wanted, and they know that, and the CEO of Black Code, which is the distribution company um, that's connected with Universal, is friends with him. And so now I'm really kind of getting my, you know, you try not to get your hopes up, but my prayer has always been that it would be Blair Underwood. So, you know, we'll just see, you know, what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping, so if, you all, if you're praying people, please pray that something happens with it. Hi, Ms. Roby. My name is Sharon Blackwell. Oh, hello. How are you? Thank you so much for good, clean writing, even though it doesn't always tell the most positive story. Mm-hmm. I am at a stage in my life where I'm constantly toting children around, uh-huh. and I often do books on tape because I don't have that time to sit with the book as much as I would love to. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to know that in listening sometimes to books on tape, you don't know what the next word is going to be. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to worry about... Uh oh, where did that come from? <laughs> or you know, the you know, the foul language or that kind of thing. So I really do appreciate your writing and I thank you so much for such good reading. Thank and you. Piggybacking very much. on what everybody else has already said. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Veronica. Mm-hmm. Um I'm interested the book A Deep Dark Secret. Yes. Um that was totally different from what very, you normally very, write. Yeah. But that was really different. good. And I was just wondering, is that a book that you would continue? Because I was curious what happens with that young girl and her mother. You no, know, I think somewhere down the road I probably will because when in it, whenever a child has um, been sexually molested at a young age, you never know how their life is going to turn out as an adult. So if I did, it, she would be an adult by the time I continued the story. Um, that is a very different book, my most different book, not anything like anything I've ever written, but I think it's probably the most important book that I will ever write. And when I started looking at the statistics that 39 million adult Americans in this country are survivors of childhood sexual abuse, then I knew it was important. And then I saw the statistics when it said that one in four girls it was happening to if they were under the age of 18. If it was one in six boys, that's how many it was happening to. Um, But more importantly, I realized that even though my story was not like Jillian's, thank God I did not experience all of those things and to that extent because Jillian is based on many women that I was able to speak with when they shared what had happened to them in the past. But I certainly do know what it's like to have an adult male family member touch me inappropriately when I was between the ages of 6 and 11. And my mom passed away in 2000. And when I never, ever got a chance to tell her that just wasn't in a place where I was ready to tell another living soul, not even my husband, who now I've been married to going on 21 years. I kept that, you know, very, very silent and just to myself. And so it just is an important story because I don't think people talk about it as much because it's not a comfortable thing to talk about. And, you know, I've often heard people say that they even suspected that it might be happening to a neighbor's child or, you know, someone in their church, but they're just afraid to say anything or get involved. And so my hope was just that this book would bring about awareness and maybe people would feel a little bit better talking about it. And maybe you might pay attention to more of the signs, you know, because for me, there was no way for my mom to know. There was no way for any family member or friend to know. I wasn't the depressed child. You know, I wasn't the child who, you know, got in trouble or had issues. I was that straight A student. I was the child who did what I was told. My mom never got a phone call 
you know, from school saying, you know, she's done this, this, that, and the other. I graduated from high school in three years. But, you know, maybe I was so focused on all of that, maybe there was a reason for it. You know, I was very, very focused. And, you know, I was never that child who my mom and grandparents always talked about that. I never liked playing around. I was never that silly kid. I was always very serious about everything. And now when I look back, I think there was a reason for that. And so, you know, there are a number of signs. It can be those kinds of signs, and it can be signs where they're really lashing out and doing things they shouldn't do, um, you know, trying to really cover up the pain that's inside of them. I just, I just wanted to ask, do we really have to wait till next January for another book? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately you do, I guess. Um, for the Reverend Curtis Black book, as I said, that title will be The Reverend's Wife. Um, but I did just submit a couple of months ago a book called Secret Obsession that's coming out in September. So hopefully that'll tide you over a little bit. Um, it's not a Reverend Curtis Black story, um, as I said, but um, it's different. And, and if you know me, it's, there's drama, of course. Um, so in this story, the, the main character, her name is Paige Donahue. And Paige has sort of had this dislike um, for her sister, who's two years older, um, since they were children. She's always felt like the parents treated her better, that that was their golden child. And, you know, she was their little princess. And now since they have become adults, she doesn't see anything changing, that they still favored this particular daughter. And now Camille has a wonderful husband who earns a lot of money. They live a great life. They have two beautiful children. And so Paige finally says, you know, enough is enough. I'm tired of her having everything. I'm tired of everybody looking at her and giving her the respect you know that they don't give me and so she decides and you know by the way I've had a lot of chemistry with her husband for a long time anyhow why shouldn't I have him why didn't I get that kind of a husband and so she sets out with this plan to pit her sister and brother-in-law against each other and you know plans to move in and take him from her so <laughs> secret obsession <laughs> Um, would you consider doing collaborations with other authors? Because I could seriously see you and Carl Weber doing something together. Yeah, you know, I've thought about doing collaborations, and I've been asked. You know, but for right now, I just have so many other things that I kind of kind of want to do. Um, you know, on my own. So maybe in the future. You know, but I it just would. You know, I guess I would just have to really think about it. You know, think and. About it. Yeah, yeah, and and really run out of my own stories. I guess that would probably be when I would really take it more seriously. Hi, um, my name is Tammy, and again, I just want to say thank you. Uh, growing up, I come from a rather large family, and in order to keep all eight of us still, my mother used to make us read, sit down uh -huh. and read. Uh -huh. So as I grew, got older, and had my own family, I got engrossed in that, and so reading just became non-existent to me. But when I started reading your books, that started a whole new life of reading again for me. So I just want to say thank you for that. I look for each and every book as it comes out. Um, I have several friends, this is one of them, that we read and constantly just, you know, talk about the book. So it's a great pleasure to read it, and it's a great honor just to be here, just to be able to listen to you and meet you, and just say thank you for what you do for us um, as black women, you know. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being one of those positive figures. Thank you very much. And just continue to do what you do, and may God always bless you in your endeavors. Thank you. God bless you as well. Uh, good evening. My name is Anna Smith, and I, too, want to thank you for um, writing all of the books that you've written. They have truly been an inspiration to me. Um, I've shared so many of them, I have not gotten any of them back. <laughs> so I wanted to know how can I go and rebuild my library um, based on your material. Well, you can start here with okay. the bookstore that's out there. With you know, They may not have every single title, but I saw quite a few of them out there. So you can start with that. Um, and pretty much any of the bookstores, if you have a list of the titles, they can order 
for, you know, order them for you. So even if you gave him the listing, he'd be able to get every single one of them for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on my website, you can see the titles at KimRoby.com. And another question, what inspires you when you develop these characters? Because they are so real, it's like you know them personally, and you're just changing the names to protect I know. the innocent. So. Just, I just can't get away from that. Huh? So, But, you know, that's a lot of it, but it's never one in individual. It really is multiple people. So, you know, I may see somebody just going, I'm, and this is not something that has happened in one of my books, but I'm just giving you an example of, of kind of how I'm thinking. But it may be, you know, if I'm driving down the street, and let's just say I see somebody walking across the street, I don't see that person just walking across the street. I see a car zooming through the light and hitting that person. You know, that's just kind of how my mind is always, what if, what if. So I may hear about something or see something that has really happened in real life and think, but what if it had happened this way? instead and so it is I guess real life that's why it feels that way because it's usually something that really could happen and I don't try to do anything that's so over the top that it could never be possible Um, so you know that's what I've always stuck with is is real life issues you know with real life people just written in a fictional format Mm -hmm. how many how did all of you find out about the event we always are interested in radio TV commercials okay Facebook Website, okay. 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 Family member, okay. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> when you do have time, what authors do you read? Well, I read a, a lot of different authors because I'm in a book club. I have been for 11 years, so you know we have a monthly selection every single month throughout the year, with the exception of when we take our girls' trip and then our Christmas dinner. Um, but you know, I read everything that Victoria Christopher Murray writes. Um, uh, a new favorite author, Trice Hickman, um, just came out. She has three books out now, um, so read all of her work. Um, James Patterson, I love his books as well. Barbara Delinsky, um, Rashonda Tate Billingsley, I love her work as well. So you know, there's just a number, but I read you know lots of books, you know, where it may have been one or two here and there, mm-hmm. um, but those are the authors that I kind of read a lot of, you know, and and with the first couple that I mentioned, everything um, that they have written. Um, Lisa Genova is also another one of my all-time favorites. Um, She wrote a book called Still Alice a couple of years ago, and that was my favorite book of 2009. Now she just released another one called Left Neglected. My all-time favorite book, though, no matter what, doesn't matter what author I'm talking about, is Your Blues Ain't Like Mine by B.B. Moore Campbell. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and we've lost her, of course, you know that, but, mm mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Thank you all so much.